Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 17 of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and the Scarf. We're so excited to be back here today in Burbank and Philly Monster Studios as per usual. And a lot of you out there have been asking, how come we didn't get episode 16 on time? And the reason for that is I actually had to head out to the East Coast to visit family. Grandma Philly wasn't doing very well. And unfortunately, I had to basically go to New York and say goodbye. But that doesn't mean that we weren't hard at work here at Defenders of the Bank. Scarf, tell the listeners out there what was going on during my absence. That's right. In my best attempt, we recorded episode 16 of Defenders of the Bank, all about the capital punishment, the beatdown in our nation's capital, 4 nothing win against. DC United. It took a little bit for the editing and a couple of other stuff to happen so we can get that episode out on the podcast. But as you are listening to us right now, you might already know that episode 16, also all the way live out there, featuring myself, the Scarf, and Scarfette. So the two of us able to record episode 16. And again, after a small hiatus, there it was out there on the interwebs. And we're going to be quite busy this week because, yes, we have episode 16 that hopefully you've listened to. We got episode 17, which we're currently working on, and we're going to throw out another one later on this week when LAFC heads up to Canada to play the Vancouver Whitecaps on Wednesday. So a lot of stuff happening at Defenders of the Bank. So let's get right into the show and not waste any more of your time. On today's show, we're going to cover the normal topics as per usual. We're going to discuss our birthdays. Scarvey's going to talk about this day in LAFC history. We're going to go through our game analysis. We're going to talk about our... Wait, what? what? Segment of the show, and of course, a very special Defenders of the Bank tailgate. We've got Amanda Micknook, Ken the Falconer's daughter, on the show with us, talking about our tailgate next Sunday, Easter Sunday, against Seattle, and then we're going to talk about the Gold Cup matches that are happening at the bank. Yeah, we're very excited to have Amanda on the podcast today. She is, of course, in charge of all things wonderful at Riley's Brewing, who will be sponsoring our tailgate on April 21st out at Christmas Tree Lane before the game against the Sounders. So we're excited to have her on to tell you all a little bit more about what's going on, not only at the tailgate, but all the fantastic things at Riley's Brewing. All right, so let's get started. As per usual, we always start off with our birthdays. Happy 24th birthday to the pride of Lubbock, Texas. Yes, Texas Tech Red Raider and the hope for the Cleveland Browns. Their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, turns 24 today. Yes, Baker Mayfield, 24 of the Cleveland Browns. Sticking to the great state of Ohio, my buddy Sean Murphy, if you're listening out there, that was for you. Pete Rose. Yes, Mr. Pete Rose, the all-time leader in hits for baseball, turns 78 today. And here's an interesting stat for you. I mentioned that he played for the Cincinnati Reds. If you're a baseball fan, chances are you do know that. But little known fact, the Cincinnati Red Stockings were actually the first pro team U.S. sports history. I always thought that was an interesting fact. Wouldn't you say, Scarf? Yeah, another interesting little known fact, Pete Rose bet on baseball and was a cheater. Yes, but Lawrence Taylor smoked crack and he still made the Hall of Fame. That's true. Pete Rose, though, however, banned from the Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame. A couple of rivals, you know, you and I are Mets fans here, Philly, and there are three birthdays, actually, that stick out today. It's David Justice's birthday. It's Steve Avery's birthday today. And one more former Brave out there, but he was also a former Dodger. I went to go see him a couple of times when he was sporting Dodger blue Happy 53rd birthday to the professor, one of the greatest pitchers in major league history, Greg Maddox. And just for fun, by the way, if you have never seen Greg Maddox pranking Chris Bryant when he pretended to be a cameraman and a producer and actually was throwing nasty curveballs to Chris Bryant when he had no idea, go out there and Google Greg Maddox and Chris Bryant. It's a lot of fun. They're both from Las Vegas, and he did a little prank on Chris Bryant. So former Dodger, but also known for being a Met killer out there, Greg Maddox. Happy birthday. Dude, how many Mets killers have there been really? We had Armando Benitez on our team as our closer, and he basically was a Mets killer. Yeah, we had Mets on the team that were actually Mets killers, that's for sure. Unfortunate. So a couple more birthdays to round it out. You know I love the professional wrestling. I say it on every freaking show. Amy Dumas, that name means nothing to you, but the name Lita, yes, Swanton Bomb Lita turns 44 years old today. And in the world of combat sports, one more birthday I want to highlight Anderson the Spider Silver turns 44, one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time. He ended up breaking his shin in a very, very ugly prize fight match against Long Island's own Chris Weidman. And age 
and a broken shin really got to the end of his career. But yes, happy 44th to one of the greatest competitors out there in MMA history. Yeah, you guys know we try to keep these things soccer-related, and this one, of course, the most soccer-related birthday we could find today. Happy birthday to Jonathan Brandis, no longer with us, but star of the film Ladybug. So happy birthday to the dearly departed Jonathan Brandis. And that rounds out our soccer-related birthdays, except for one more that got past us on April the 11th. And if you are not familiar with the heavenly voice of LAFC (laughs) soccer, that is Max Bredos. Happy birthday to Max Bredos. He tried to kind of downplay it when we saw him at the bank yesterday. He was, however, walking around holding a chocolate cake with strawberries on it. So I've never seen somebody try and be humble about their birthday while holding a giant chocolate cake with strawberries on it. But we absolutely love Max Bredos. He has been a great friend, not only of the show, but of both to you and I, Philly. So a very, very happy birthday to Max Bredos. I think we owe him a tequila shot, wouldn't you say? Oh, I think he will gladly take that tequila shot as well. Yeah, my birthday, he gave me too many tequila shots. It was a rough birthday. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to buy him a Julius Peppers next time I see him. That's fair. We need to spread the joy of Julius Peppers to everybody around us, because I can't be the only one who suffers the wrath of Julius Peppers. (laughs) And with that smooth segue, we're going to go from the birthdays on April 11th, of course, celebrating Max Bredos to this day in LAFC history. We're going to talk about a couple quick things in LAFC history. Also, on April the 11th in 2018, that's right, just last year, Mark Rogandino and Jervina Catalina, if you're not following her, she is an incredible follow on Instagram, one of the nicest there people goes that Gigi. you'll meet. That's right. And actually, we walked out, both Scarfette and I, with Mark Rogandino after the game last night against FC Cincinnati. Super nice. Had his kids with him and one of his friends, and we started talking a little bit about soccer. Really nice guy. Mark Rogandino and Jervina Catalina were announced as LAFC's local broadcast team on YouTube TV last year on April the 11th. And another thing happened on April the 11th. It was this year, 2019. Those navy blue and teal parlay jerseys from Mm -hmm. Parlay for the Oceans were released for season two. They sold out in under 12 hours, and they were the first of the 23 MLS teams to sell out their parlay jersey. So congratulations there to LAFC and another great rendition of a jersey. We are still waiting for our official third kit, by the way. And moreover, we're still waiting for the official team socks, but more on that a little bit later. So that's this day in LAFC history on April 11th. I just wanted to also point out this day in LAFC history yesterday. We know the defeat that we put on FC Cincinnati in their first game at the bank. One year ago today, we also defeated another MLS team for their first time at Bank of California Stadium. We defeated those very same Vancouver Whitecaps that we are going to be playing on Wednesday. We beat them on the road 2-0 behind goals from, this is no surprise to anybody, Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi. No way. Yeah, I know, right? Out of anybody. Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi, we win 2-0. Omar Gaber made his MLS debut as a substitute for Marco Ureña in the 81st minute. So it was great to see Omar out there. He had a great connection with Bob Bradley from his time with the Egyptian national team. Bob was very closely related to all of that. He coached Egypt's national team as well. So that was this day in LAFC history. We talked about a couple of dates, 4-11 and 4-13. In addition to the win that we'll be talking about today over FC Cincinnati, last year on that same date, we defeated Vancouver 2-0. All right. And with that, let's actually get into the game against FC Cincinnati. All right. We have... You like that. That was my Diet Coke, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't my Riley's beer by any means. Sophomores versus the freshmen. LAFC, the city of angels, versus the home of Skyline Chili, the Queen City. But I like to refer to them as the Nasty Natty. FC Cincinnati on their first trip out west to Bank of California Stadium. LAFC came into this game as the leader in the West and the best in the MLS. Ooh, try saying that several times fast. The leader in the West and the best in the MLS. I like it. The leader in the West and the... Oh, I was just trying to say it a bunch of times. Oh, well, nice try. Very futile effort. But anyway... LAFC league leading 19 goals with the jab and cross combination of Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi. These guys combined for 13 of the 19 LAFC goals. Dude, that is more than all the other 23 MLS teams. Unbelievable. 
couple other interesting stats for you. They are the seventh team in MLS history to register back-to-back hat-tricks and the first MLS team to have done it on the road. Not to mention, here's a great fact, and I think Scarf mentioned this in the last pod. We but did, we did. They broke an LA Galaxy record. After the DC United game, LAFC set the record for the most goals after six matches with 19 goals. Previous goal was held in 1998 by the Carson Galaxy. We came in again first in goals, first in assists, first in shots, first in shots on goal, first in goal differential, first in goals per game at 3.16, and first in unbelievable supporters. Second consecutive week shutting out an opponent on the road, and here's an interesting fact for you. 235 minutes of action without conceding a goal. Tyler Miller and Stephen Betashore have been on point with all those shot blocks. Tyler Miller, I hope you bought Stephen Betashore a beer after those goals that he helped protect. Now, Cincinnati hits the road after playing their last two home matches at Nypert Stadium. Now, the team has earned half their points on the road, which is also kind of interesting, and they are riding a two-game unbeaten streak. They're starting the season off with a 2-2-2 record for their MLS campaign, and considering the fact they basically brought up their entire squad from the USL, they played fairly well, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't realize how many players are still around from that USL campaign last year from FC Cincinnati. They have definitely definitely done a lot better than just treaded water this year. They look pretty good out there. Of course, they drew Sporting KC last week 1-1. That's one of those teams that you really want to measure yourself against throughout the course of the MLS season. We certainly did ourselves quite well by measuring ourselves against Sporting Kansas City. And then, of course, the 1-1 draw from FC Cincinnati last week. So maybe it's a down year for Sporting Kansas City, or maybe we're just really good, and FC Cincinnati is not all that bad. But I also wanted to give a quick shout-out to the history-making goal scorer, Diego Rossi. All the guy does is score goals that'll get you written in the history books. Who scored the first goal against the Sounders? Diego Diego Rossi. Rossi. That's right. Our very first goal in team history, our very first goal of the season this year and the last goal of his fantastic hat trick that he had against DC United wound up being goal number 100 across all competitions, Open Cup, playoffs, MLS regular season. Every game that we have played, that was goal number 100. So all Diego Rossi does is score history-making goals. A good team here, though, in FC Cincinnati. You know, we definitely started out, we talked about, I believe it was a 4-2-3-1 formation that we came out in against DC United. But here in a 4-3-3, much more traditional formation for Bob Bradley in Philly. Why don't you tell us who was in the 11 in this game against FC Cincinnati? So we began this game in a 4-3-3 formation, and the most notable absentee as far as the lineup is concerned is Dio. After setting up the opening goal against DC United, he was taken out in the 28th minute with a hamstring injury. That hamstring injury, of course, has rendered him on the injured list as far as this game is concerned. Of course, we had Horta with a quad strain, Fito Zelaya with Fito Zelaya disease, Alejandro Guido with a quad injury, and Lee Wynn calf injury, but... Very good note. He was back in training, which is a good thing. So in goal, we started off with Tyler Miller. Sorry, I was laughing that you called something Fetozelaya disease. That made my day. No, keep on going. That was great fun. At some point, we were going to have a very special guest. Tell us really what Solia's injury is, but more on that later. So we start off in goal with Tyler Miller. Our back line consisted of Jordan Harvey, Eddie Segura, Walker Zimmerman, Stephen Betashore, Latif Blessing, who has really found his way in that midfield. We had Edward Atuesta, who continues to impress. He also made man of the match, but as we go on, you'll understand why. Mark Anthony Diego Rossi, Christian Ramirez, and Carlos Vela. Our bench consists of Scarf. Do you want to fill the gaps in on that one? Yeah, that's right. We had Mohamed Omonir, my favorite guy on the team right now. Three umlauts, Nico Hamalainen, Peter Lee Vassal, who I can't wait to see at the bank later on in the year for a totally different reason that we'll talk about later. The Shaft Brewer Jr., one of our favorite players on the squad. And of course, the backup goalie who we've yet to see in MLS action, Pablo Cisniega. Okay, FC Cincinnati comes in with a 4-4-2. In goal, Richie, who I have to say really had a good game. We had Deplan, Waston, Haglin, Hoyt, Mane, Stanko, not to be confused with Stank Ho, Bertone, Cruz, Maddox, and Safe. But the one notable absentee, I was kind of bummed. I really was looking forward to seeing him. Greg Garza from the 
championship Atlanta United team was out with an injury that he sustained recently. He actually got hurt on Thursday, which I'm sure his absence had head coach Koch completely changing his plans around. But let's get into the actual game. Yeah, you know, there was one other player real quick, too, that I wanted to see. Of course, last year when we played D.C. United, we tied them 1-1, and it was a goal by Darren Maddox who actually tied it up. So I was looking forward to seeing how LAFC responded and getting to face Darren Maddox. Obviously, this one in a different uniform with FC Cincinnati, but LAFC came out the gate. They got a couple of great opportunities early on. Latif blessing his shot, ricocheting off Cincinnati defender Nick Haglin, landed by the right foot of Diego Rossi, and then there you talk about that goalie again, Richie, making an absolutely fantastic save very, very early on. Like you mentioned, he's got a couple of clean sheets already. He was tested. I mean, that game could have been 2 or 3 nothing very, very early on, but that goalie, Spencer Richie, looked pretty good. Yeah, and going into the game, Bob Bradley also knew that Cincinnati had a knack for catching teams snoozing and being punched in the face on a counter. That's something we were keeping an eye out on. But as Scarf mentioned, we came out of the gates hot. And, you know, there was some back-and-forth action. We did have a scare in the 22nd minute of the match when Eddie Segura fell to the ground. When Bob Bradley tapped Danilo Silva and he immediately popped up, I thought, oh, no, this is the last thing we needed. I remember having a conversation with our buddy Cigar Mike up in the Founders Club saying, we are so hot this season. We are playing so well. The only thing that could hamper us are injuries and ourselves. But losing Eddie Segura would have been a devastating blow to our back line as he has been one of our strongest presences back there. And honestly, I've been surprised that he hasn't been named as part of the MLS Team of the Week. But fortunately, he was able to rebound, capitalize, and get back in the game. But... Going on as far as the match is concerned, it didn't go 0-0 for very long because, Scarf, what happened in the 32nd minute? Well, this is going to come as a shock to absolutely nobody, but it turns out that we have the MVP of the league, Carlos Vela. That beautiful left foot across in the direction of Mark Anthony Kay heads it in for his second goal of the season. And of course, his second goal since coming back from that devastating ankle injury. There was really nothing that Richie could have done about it when you have a player the caliber of Carlos Vela putting the ball on a string the way he did to Mark Anthony Kay. A beautiful first goal there in the 32nd minute. It was really a culmination of several great chances back to back to back to back we were throwing numbers forward we had a lot of great shots on goal not a lot of things materializing in terms of needing the goalie to make some saves or getting the ball into the back of the net but finally there in the 32nd minute the MLS leader in assists adds to his total with one more to Mark Anthony K. I hope the club has got that man's left foot insured. Lloyds of London, I know you're out there. If you haven't insured Carlos Vela's left foot, LAFC, get on that. That is a trillion dollar left foot as far as I'm concerned. And congrats to Kay on his second goal of the season. His second goal off of the header, by the way. And he more than made up for the opportunity that occurred in the 26th minute. He had a situation where he tried to one-time the ball in the goal, but he ended up missing it and dribbling it out of bounds. But I'm so happy happy that he scored. He is a fan favorite. Mark Anthony K. his second goal of the season. As the rest of the first half progresses, Cincinnati rather flat to a certain extent, but they had their best opportunity with one minute to go in injury time in the first half. Long ball that ended up going past Walker Zimmerman as he was backtracking. He let Darren Maddox right by him. Kenny Safe set up Maddox. He teed off on a beautiful ball that was going to find its way in the back of the net because he threaded the needle in between Walker and Eddie Segura, but had it not been for an incredible save by Tyler Miller, the game would have been 1-1. Now, Zimmerman had another lapse in judgment that could have proved to be a costly error. He didn't have the greatest of first halves. In addition to that faux pas, the 36th minute, he had a really bad foul on Kenny Safe that resulted in a yellow card. Look, at that point, I probably would have made that foul too, but he ended up in a situation where Safe completely bypassed him and was on his way to score an uncontested goal, but Walker did what he had to do to get the yellow card. He shouldn't have gotten into that situation in the first place, but thankfully, he ended up rebounding in the second half. Yeah, Philly, you're the MMA guy. I believe that move was called a hip toss. 
that Walker Zimmerman executed. He was pretty pissed shortly after that. Yes. Yeah, he got animated. He wasn't arguing, I don't think, the foul call because it was pretty clear to even the LAPD helicopter that was circling above <laughs> that that birds. was a foul. Uh, they call it the ghetto bird here in Los Angeles. Whirly but, birds in the Midwest. That's right. Well, you're in Los Angeles now. We are at Phila Monster Studios Fair in beautiful Burbank, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Walker was certainly not arguing the foul. I think he was more arguing the lack of fouls called in LAFC's favor before that. But that was a pretty solid hip toss there by Walker. And the first words I said after I saw this, oh, that's a yellow card. And sure enough, that referee, who kind of looked like Oral Hershiser, by the way. I think I mentioned that somewhat during the game. Oral Hershiser, of course, Dodger legend did not know he was also refing now in the MLS, but it was good to see him out there on the pitch. <laughs> Didn't know he was that fast. Right? <laughs> but the foul there by Walker Zimmerman in the 36. Look, bottom line, though, is once we went to halftime, I'm pretty sure Bob did what he needed to do, get our back line in order, because you won't find a single person complaining about the performance of our back line. And look, three of those players were there last year. Steven Betashore, Jordan Harvey, and Walker Zimmerman. Those guys, absolutely incredible. But I think it's the emergence of Eddie Segura back there. I mean, this kid is, what, 21 years old and establishing himself as one of the premier defenders, at least especially on-ball defenders, in the MLS, Eddie Segura has been the glue that kind of shored things up. Look, myself included, I am one of those people that are still kind of upset about how the Laurent Simon situation turned out last year. And I think we spent the rest of the season looking for somebody who would be that fourth beetle back there on the back line. And we have certainly found him in a young Eddie Segura, you know, between Eddie Segura and Eduardo Tuesta, the Colombian connection that we have back there on our back line and midfield. We have been extremely fortunate to see incredible play all season by our back four. The scary thing about Segura is he comes on loan from his club in Colombia. Now, when you have a guy in that situation, you know, him being that dominant, it gets the other scouts and the other teams across the world looking, and it makes him a target, an acquisition target. And he's really, like Scarf said, the, the glue back there. I mean, we had such a tendency to let goals go past Tyler Miller in the 80th minute, but we have not seen that happen at all. In fact, Tyler Miller's, you know, making his way in terms of clean sheets. And a lot of that has to deal with that veteran backline as well as Eddie Segura. Yeah, so, you're, you know, you're absolutely right, too. And, and talking about clean sheets, you and I kind of joked about it earlier, but Stephen Betashore, no doubt responsible for one of what was would become, as we'll talk about the second half, three consecutive now clean sheets for our goalie Tyler Miller, Stephen Betashore, as we talked about several times with two incredible saves last week on the back line there against DC United. But it will now be three straight games as we do our second half recap here. Three straight games with a clean sheet for our goalie Tyler that's right. So Miller time, baby. Second half, you know, Carlos Vela came out of the gates just hot. 49th minute, a near chip in there by Carlos Vela. And that really got the crowd right back into it after we came in after the half. And, of course, 56th minute, we saw another dime from Carlos Vela. Yeah, 56 minute, as Scarf mentioned, Vela threads a beautiful pass into the danger zone to Diego Rossi, who strikes it hard but hits over Spencer Ritchie and over the net. Yeah, after that pass from Carlos Vela to Diego Rossi, it sailed just over the net. That allows us to play our favorite game here on Defenders of the Bank. We call it Name That Perez. And in the 66th minute, Philly, which Perez are we naming on today's podcast? Not Javi, not Adrian, but Josh Perez gets inserted into the game for his first minutes of the 2019 season. He subs Christian Ramirez out, and with this change... A change in the formation. Vela, instead of being on the right side, ends up in the middle to act as the center man in the formation. Fast forward a few minutes later, 73rd. Carlos Vela actually sets Josh Perez up, but he misses wide. I really wanted that ball to hit the back of the net. I know Josh Perez has been working his tail off. He was on loan with Phoenix Rising, and of course, the agreement that we have with these USL teams that anytime 
the main club, in this case LAFC, wants to recall these players. They can do it at any moment. He would have had his Mondo moment of the game in that 73rd minute, but he started playing off really well. And Carlos Vela going from the right to the center. The guy is also an assist machine, so he definitely makes a lot of good things happen. Now, here's another scary moment. We talked about how Eddie Segura got hurt early on in the first half. Walker Zimmerman ended up going down with eight minutes to go in the match with an injury. And once again, Danilo Silva warming up. But in this case, he ended up subbing in for Walker Zimmerman. I hope he's not hurt. I hope it was just a thing to where, you know, you got some match fatigue, some cramping. More on that later. A 1-0 game, in particular with the amount of shots that Cincinnati had and the opportunities they have, it could have been a completely different result. Yeah, you know, one thing I want to mention, too, about Josh Perez, you mentioned him as as you were hoping that he finally got that first goal into the back of the net. This is a kid that if you look back on the U.S. men's national team watch lists, back when Christian Pulisic and a bunch of other players in that group were coming up, Christian Pulisic was actually rated number two the first year that they put him on the list, and that was behind Josh Perez. There's no doubt in our minds that Josh Perez has a ton of talent. It was incredible to hear his story of being able to come back to the MLS. He was toiling, and not just in the USL, but he was toiling in some second and third and fourth tier leagues out there. And it's been really great to see Josh Perez make his way back, not only into the 18 like he did in a bit of a surprising fashion in this last game against FC Cincinnati, but getting some actual meaningful minutes here in the game against FC Cincinnati. We were only up one nothing there in the 66th. And like you said, a great play there in the 73rd. Zimmerman goes down late in the game. But in the 93rd minute, you know, I think it really was a culmination, Philly, of all of the pressure that we had been putting on Cincinnati, possession after possession after possession. And, you know, the only other player that I've heard talked about from LAFC in MVP circles other than the incomparable Carlos Vela has been the young kid out of Colombia, Edward Atuesta. Yeah, he's having a fantastic season. Another player that is emerging who has helped solidify our juggernaut of a squad. He has been fantastic. And Carlos Vela on a tear. His goal in that 93rd minute was the cherry on top, the icing on the cake, the pepperoni on the pizza, the beer showers in the north end. We have an amazing, amazing team. And this was a very hard-fought match. Of course, we came off the last two games of the season on the road. It could have been more than the 2-0 result, but as far as the final stats of the game are concerned, LAFC, of course, winning the game 2-0. Possession-wise, LAFC wins that category 56% possession to Cincinnati's 44. Shots on goal, we absolutely tore it up. LAFC had 22 versus Cincinnati's 7. Shots on target, though, LAFC 7, Cincy 2, and Richie ended up getting a lot of action. Fouls, that's a category we ended up losing in. No big deal there. LAFC with 13, Cincy with 14. And the saves pelted Richie a heck of a lot more than Cincy pelted Tyler Miller at 2-5. to Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head with Spencer Richie really being the difference back there in goal but a couple of other things that I want to talk about before we wrap up our wrap up of this FC Cincinnati game wrap up our wrap up that's right after seven games I just want to make a little historical comparison here Toronto FC in 2017 you know they set the record for most points in a season with 69 last season Atlanta United on their way to the MLS Cup they tied that record with 69 points but that record was actually broken last season by the New York Red Bulls with 71 points now look the Red Bulls also played in the CONCACAF Champions Cup League at the beginning of that last season so you know it might be a little bit of an unfair comparison but I do want to make a quick 7 game check-in on those four teams. We're talking about 2017's Toronto, 2018's Red Bulls and the Atlanta United, and our LAFC in 2019. After seven games, when Toronto set the record with 69 points in a season, they had 10 points through seven games. The New York Red Bulls scoring 12 points after seven games. Atlanta United, the team that tied the record before the New York Red Bulls broke it last season, had 16 points. So here we are, three points clear from Atlanta. 
19 points in our first seven games. My favorite stats to look at, though, are the goals for and goals against, especially the goals against with what you and I, we we would talk about the frustrations last season. In 2017, Toronto with 10 goals for, the New York Red Bulls and Atlanta United both with 17 goals for, but here we are seven games in, 21 goals for, and it's the goals against that are the biggest thing. Let's talk about goal difference. Toronto FC, plus three through seven games. Red Bulls, plus seven through seven games. Atlanta United, the team that won it all last year, plus nine through seven games. LAFC, an incredible plus 16. This team is well on their way to making history about one-fifth of the way through our season. But I'm glad we're dominating the MLS. We are the best in the West and the best in the MLS. That has a really nice ring to it. Yeah, it really does. It really does. That really concludes the segment as far as the game analysis is concerned. But there's a couple things I wanted to note real quickly. Cincinnati, having such a great fan base, averaging over 33,000 fans per game at Niepert or Nypert Stadium. That's where the University of Cincinnati Bearcats play. I would have expected that their fans would have traveled a lot better. L.A. is pretty cool, and it's certainly a city that people in the Midwest would like to come visit. We are the entertainment capital of the world. I figured they would have had a much better showing of fans, but needless to say, we'd still lead the MLS in terms of supporters groups. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, we looked over at where LAFC normally puts the away supporters and I the saw o- five. Yeah, the only Maybe reason <laughs> the only reason why we knew that there were FC Cincinnati supporters there because their colors are bright orange and blue and you and I by the way have an affinity for things bright orange and blue. The Mets, that's the right. Knicks, the Islanders. Yeah, that's right. Well, well for me you, anyway. I was going to say for you those last I two. I am born in New York City. After for me the Mets will suffice and I'm also a Boise State football fan, but more on that How later. What the heck does that happen? They have a blue field. I liked it. I'm not a USC or UCLA fan. Anyway, moving on. We looked up in their you may have section. Alienated fans there, buddy. Listen, one of my good friends played football for UCLA. I've been a ton of different USC games at the bank. I will happily come out and support our hometown teams. I'm just not siding one way or another in the civil war that is USC versus UCLA. But back over to the supporter section. The only reason why you and I knew that there were fans in the away supporter section is because a couple of them were wearing bright orange and blue. And obviously, when you have a stadium where 22,000 people are wearing some version of black or black and gold... The orange and the blue will stick out, but you are absolutely right. They did not bring a cheering section whatsoever. I cannot wait to see what that game looks like on April 21st. That's right, Easter Sunday against the Seattle Sounders. The Sounders just three points behind with one game less played in their season. We're we're beating them on goals for, we're beating them on goal differential But this is the, in my opinion, the second best team. The Carson Galaxy have that one player who, in my opinion, is the second best player in the MLS. But the Seattle Sounders, the second best team in MLS. And I'm looking forward to it, Philly, because what we did to the best team in the East just a couple of games ago, I have a feeling we're going to do to the second best team in the West. Why? Because we're the best in the West and the best in the MLS. That was good. You were a poet and you didn't even know it. I was sort of you know, trying to coerce you into singing it with me because it would have sounded funnier as a duet. But that's okay. We'll, we'll try it again on the next time. But you're the one that has the reputation for singing on the podcast. I'm just the nerd. <laughs> you are. But we didn't get any nerd birthdays. I'm a little bummed out about that. And really, no Star Wars, no Star Trek birthdays? Okay, but first of all, if anybody out there hasn't seen the trailer, the first little preview look-in on Episode Nine, it's the final one of the saga, Rise of the Skywalker. They released that a couple of days ago. And it took every bit of nerd in me not to talk about that early on in the podcast. I was freaking out here on Masters <laughs> Sunday, which I know we're going to talk about in just a minute in our wait what moment. But oh my God, they released the trailer. Of course, there's nothing new except there's an LAFC tie. And you guys didn't even know it. There's an LAFC tie in the new Rise of the Skywalker Episode 9 trailer. I'm dying to know this. You ready for this? There's a brand new really tiny droid that's like motoring along next to BB-8. You know what his name is? Dio. (laughs) 
You're, only you're you, welcome. Only you would be able to tie in a Star Wars reference to something meaningful as far as LAFC is concerned. I I had no clue where you were going. I'm, I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> you really are a nerd, dude. <laughs> I will take it. And with that, let's move on to our wait. What? Segment of the podcast. And with that, I am going to throw it directly to my left here at Philemon Studios to the Christian Philly Philemon. As we are recording this show, the ultimate in redemption stories has occurred. I know we have golf fans out there that are LAFC fans. Tiger Woods has just won the Masters. Tiger Woods has just won the Masters. Something we thought we would never see. This is his first major title since 2008, and he becomes the oldest player since Jack Nicklaus to win the Masters at the age of 43. And Scarf... That basically tells me that you and I have a shot at glory in some way, shape, or form. If this man can resurrect himself at the age of 43 and come back and kick some major ass out there. I think that's the second time you've sworn on this podcast here. Ass is not a swear. They say it on TBS. But I will tell you, the only thing more surprising than Tiger Woods winning the Masters this weekend would have been him writing a book on fidelity. But it was absolutely (laughs) incredible to watch Tiger Masters Sunday, Amen Corner, coming around, and he had a two-shot lead, I believe, going into the 18th hole. Look, if you all listening out there have had any bit of a childhood and young adulthood the way that the two of us have, there is nothing like watching Tiger Woods in a red shirt coming down the back nine, not just at any tournament, but we are talking about the Mecca, Augusta, Georgia, the Masters, Tiger Woods. Even he said he didn't expect himself to win his 15th major. Now only three behind Jack Nicholas, Eldrick Tiger Woods winning his 15th major and his fifth Masters is certainly our wait. What moment of this podcast. America loves a good comeback story. This man has had it. It doesn't matter if you're a golf fan. This guy came out of an amazing career, pretty much washed it all away with behavior and ended up accomplishing something that is really, really incredible. And the lesson that we're going to take from Tiger Woods winning the Masters is, look, the past is the past. If you look forward to the future, you might have yourself an unbelievable presence. And that concludes our wait. What? Segment of the show. One more topic that we want to discuss real quick before we go on a break is the Gold Cup. And Scarf, I'm going to transition that over to you. Okay, so I'm super excited about the Gold Cup. We are playing two Gold Cup matches at Bank of California Stadium on June 25th. That's right. I believe it's one ticket gets you into both matches, although you'll have to call your LAFC ticket rep or obviously check on Ticketmaster if you want to pay triple fees than what you used to pay last year. (laughs) But we have two games at the Bank of California Stadium on June 25th. The groups have been set. And in our particular group being hosted at Bank of California Stadium, we have Honduras taking on El Salvador later in the day. But the game that both you and I are so excited to see, and we will be at that game, is the first of the two games of the day. Curacao is taking on, and we're not talking about Curacao, the supermarket that hosted Diego Rossi earlier last week. Or the drink, that's right. Curacao is hosting Jamaica, the reggae boys, and there is one particular player who both you and I have had our eyes on since He became a member of the black and gold nine games, six goals, MVP of the Caribbean Combine, the only player invited from that combine to the MLS Combine, already a fan favorite. Philly, tell the fans who you and I are super excited to go see in that game. Peter Lee Vassal, ladies and gentlemen. That is why we're going to see Jamaica versus Curacao. I can't wait to see this kid punch in a couple more goals and cement his legacy as the player to watch for the Reggae Boys. That's right. The 3252, I have a feeling, will be out there strong, ready to support one of our own. And look, a lot of people who are listening are probably thinking like, hey, wait, why aren't they talking about Fito Zelaya playing for El Salvador? Look, bottom line is this. We're not going to get into the whole story, but the coach who is the current coach of El Salvador's national team, he has already said into several microphones during several interviews that any player that was involved in the bit of a scandal that El Salvador had 
several years ago, will no longer be playing for El Salvador's national team. And look, Fito was not one of those players given a lifetime ban. He was only given a much smaller ban. But that being said, he is still part of that group. And I would not expect to see Fito Zelaya playing for El Salvador against Honduras. Well, even if he had the opportunity to, his soleus injury would dictate otherwise. So one way or another, you are not going to see Fito Zelaya feature in that game. That's right. And that'll end our first segment here on episode 17 of Defenders of the Bank. A quick word from our sponsor. And then at the other side of Jiminy and Friends, we are going to have Amanda McNook again from Riley's Brewing and our sponsor for the April 21st Sunday tailgate out at Christmas Tree Lane against the Seattle Sounders. Please come back to hear all the wonderful things going on at Riley's Brewing and all the great details about the Defenders of the Bank tailgate. Word has it there will be a couple of giveaways at the Defenders of the Bank tailgate. In fact, maybe even a Golasso scarf. Oh, man. I didn't even know that. That's news to me, ladies and gentlemen. So, as he said, Jiminy and company, always let your conscience be your guide. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 17 of Defenders of the Bank, and I am going to introduce her in the name that she wanted to be introduced as. I love this. She calls herself one of the coordinators of chaos for Riley's Brewing and Brew Pub up in Central California. Please welcome to the Defenders of the Bank podcast, Amanda McNook. Hello, hello, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are so incredibly lucky and excited to have you on, not just because you have a fantastic brewing company and brew pub restaurant, but because you have decided that for some reason you want to sponsor this tiny little podcast out of Los Angeles, California, the Defenders of the Bank, April 21st. Everybody gets so excited for the Sounders game here at Bank of California Stadium. First, Amanda, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Riley's Brewing, how it all got started. Started and your relation to LAFC. Riley's Brewing is a veteran family-owned business by Dan and Tracy Riley. They are fantastic, although I will never admit that in person. <laughs> and maybe if we could edit that out, that way they don't hear it. I mean, whew, oh, strange things can happen. Right. <laughs> but things are fantastic. We have a brew pub that's located in Clovis, California, and there is absolute chaos, but it is fantastic. I've been there for a couple years now, two years to be exact. And I've never had the same day twice. And I am so happy and looking forward to be at the tailgate on April 21st for the That's Seattle right. Sanders game. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about Riley's Brewing in terms of what you offer there. Of course, we have been incredibly lucky. You have bottled special bottles just for us for our tailgate of your, I believe it's the Honey Blonde Ale. Sanja, or Honey Blonde Ale. That's our right. Bestseller, most popular brew. And if you Google, by the way, Riley's <laughs> Brewing, right now. the very next thing you'll see after you Google Riley's Brewing will be the word Sancha. That is the beer that we will have at our official tailgate on April 21st. A fantastic new label for it, though, the Defenders of the Bank Honey Blonde Ale. But tell everybody else out there the different types of beer that you offer you also offer some alcoholic spirits some really great things happening at Riley's Brewing there's some fantastic things going on there we have all different types of brews we have spice ales so our hard sodas we have hard root beer hard vanilla cream hard lemonade there happens to be a very special limited edition bottle that a gentleman named Ken McNuck some people might know him as a LAFC Falconer. He's Ooh. on one of those bottles. We know that guy. Yep, might happen to be my dad as well. That's so right. So that is my personal connection to LAFC, That's aside right. from loving everything about the team and community and what they stand for. We have a variety of brews from Honey Blonde Ales, Mexican Lagers, Imperial Stouts. We have vodka, whiskey, gin, all fantastic and very, very tasty beverages. I can concur. I've had multiple samples of all of them this afternoon. Yeah, Philly, what are you drinking right now? Catching up India Pale Ale, but that was followed by the Riley's Vodka, which was followed by the Honey Blonde Ale, which was followed by the Hard Lemonade, which was followed by the Mexican Lager. 
Let's not forget the last unicorn. I was going to say, my favorite part of all this is it was actually all preceded by a bunch of different drinks. So I'm pretty impressed. You know that he's been partaking of the Riley's Brewing Spirits. The <laughs> the last unicorn, there's a, there's a little sniper kind of hiding in the bushes on the last unicorn label there. So the reason why it's the last unicorn is because it's about to get taken out by a sniper in a ghillie suit, which I love so much. Amanda, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on, you know, we are incredibly excited. You will actually be there in our Defenders of the Bank tent, the canopy that we will have up. If you haven't seen it, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Defenders of the Bank or on Twitter at Defend the Bank, and you can see the pictures of our brand new canopy, which, by the way, you were the one that tipped us off for how to get the best prices working with the best people there over at KD Canopy. Thank you so much for that, first of all. But you will be there under the tent there with us at the official tailgate on April 21st. Absolutely. Serving beer. Sancha, our honey blonde, Defenders of the Bank Ale. Yeah. How many bottles are you guys bringing down for that one? We bottled 20 cases for you. 24 bottles per case equals 480 beers. Oh, my So we've got plenty to share and enjoy. All right. But can you tell everybody how much they're going to cost? Nothing. Nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing. Free beer. If you don't like free beer, move to Utah. And it's good beer. <laughs> Not only free beer, but it's good beer. It is really good beer. No, you... it's great beer. I had like four of them this afternoon. Well, yeah, and you were nice enough. You sent us out a little 12-pack sampler. There were three of your fantastic hard lemonades. And, and we were talking about the, the hard root beer that you have is incredible. If you would have told me that there was alcohol in that root beer, I would have thought you were crazy. But not just a little bit. It was like a full beer's worth of alcohol completely masked by the incredible root beer taste. And of course, you sent the two of us out each nine of the Riley's Honey Blonde Ale. Look, it came to my door. And, and if you guys don't know, I'm, I'm with my parents there, Mama and Papa Scarf. And they were head over heels about the label. They thought it was the coolest thing. Thank you so much. But it's actually what's inside of it. That Honey Blonde Ale, absolutely fantastic. And you know, you're going to have the wristbands out there for everybody over 21. Come by the tent and you can meet Amanda. And, and the best part is Amanda let us in on, look, we've been trying to work out something, but there will also be a special appearance by somebody else really close to the McNook family and especially Wing Solutions. I heard Amanda, and you were the one that confirmed this. Are we going to have a Falcon at the Defenders of the Bank tailgate? We are indeed. Woo! Oh. And, and a lot of people don't know because we don't have Periscope or, or a way to see in to fill a monster studios. But sitting right next to you, to your right, and right behind me here in Fellow Monster Studios is your 16-year-old son, Ethan, who we have shouted out on the podcast many times. Turns out Ethan, already working on his Master Falconer's license, that's basically your PhD in falconing, and your son only seven years away, I believe, at this point from getting his Master Falconer's license. Yes, he's way cooler than I am or could ever be, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> he's also a big LAFC fan, which we think is the best thing ever, right, Philly? Oh, 100%. And he also plays soccer in high school, which I think is even cooler than all of that. Yeah, that's right. Clovis West, the Clovis high, West, school high school that he plays for. That's right. What is their mascot up at Clovis West? The Eagles. The Eagles. Birds all of prey. Right. Look at that. Falcon, Eagle. What is it? Harris's Hawk, I think, is what Bomb is, right? Yes. So, awesome. You, you mean the bird of prey that almost pooped on you. Yes. Thank you. Sliced. Uh, that was it's sliced There's, on you. you. That was I mean, it whizzed by my ear. I will never forget that. And a big thank you, by the way, to your father, Ken, for not pointing the bird directly at me, although the bird was not pointed anywhere near me before he realized that that bird had to poop, and he pointed it pretty I close. never play the lottery, but I almost did if that bird would have connected. <laughs> So, Amanda, again, you know, thank you so much for coming on. You know, we really appreciate everything that you are doing for Riley's Brewing and for our official Defenders of the Bank podcast. I wanted to ask you one other question, too, before we begin to wrap up this episode of Defenders of the Bank. You are in the royal family of falconry as far as LAFC is concerned. Can you just tell the listeners out there what it has meant to the McNook family that they have been able and you have been able to be such an integral part of the ritual that goes on before every LAFC game? I don't even feel like I'm a part of it. I still watch and not every single home game. I get excited to go. I can't wait to see Ollie fly. I can't wait to see her land and impale the opponent's crest. <laughs> Everything about it is fantastic. 
And to be part of this thing that's bigger than a city or a community or a sport, it embeds itself in your life. It becomes a part of you. And you can't say that about anything else. Yeah, you know, it's been such a great addition to and now a and like you said, it's kind of embedded in the fabric of what goes on before the LAFC games. Ken obviously calls it the ritual. And by the way, congratulations to Ken. We saw that University of Phoenix jersey on the back there. He had a University of Phoenix number 19 LAFC jersey. But again, if you haven't met either Ken or Jenna or anybody else involved with winged solutions. They're usually hanging out right next to section 135, which of course, one of my favorite people involved with the club, Alina and the LAFC foundation right there in section 135. Shout out to the great people at the LAFC foundation. I say people, but it's pretty much Alina running the whole thing and, and props to Alina, but right next to the LAFC foundation, you can find Ken or Jenna, or anybody else involved in the Wing Solutions family there with Ollie or with any of the other Falcons that they have there. On behalf of Defenders of the Bank, you know, we certainly want to say thank you to both you and the McNook family for making this such a great part of our LAFC experience. Well, thank you for having us and letting us be part of it, because without people who want to see us or want to experience that ritual, it wouldn't be what it is. And that about wraps up the episode. Again, thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much, Riley's Brewing. Thank you. I mean, seriously, for everything that you've done. These beers have been fantastic. I definitely cheated on my diet a thousand times with these delicious honey blonde (laughs) ales. In fact, I'm embarrassed. No, I'm not embarrassed to say. There's four empty honey blonde ales staring right at me with an empty can of their delicious India Pale Ale and an empty shot glass that had their vodka. You've contributed to my Sunday fun day, Scarf and Eyes for that matter. That's right. And you're going to continue to contribute for the LAFC tailgate and your generosity has been unbelievable there's nothing we wouldn't do for you or for your family anytime you guys want anything please let us know and that about wraps it up as far as this episode is concerned it is April the 14th we will edit this episode we will get it out to you hopefully for your Monday morning commute April 15th don't forget to do your taxes and one other thing make sure if you are a fan out there to catch that Game of Thrones Season premiere, I can't wait. After this, I'm going to edit the hell out of this episode as quick as I can. Get it out to you as quick as I can, because I want to see this final season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Again, everybody, we know there was a little bit of a hiccup in getting the last episode out, but as a reminder... That's because you really missed me. That's right, I did. I we did. all did. Very, Aww. very much. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, again, this is the second, if you haven't listened to episode 16, after you're done with this episode, go back, listen to episode 16 with myself and Scarfette. But this is the second of three episodes this week of course the next episode coming out on thursday after we play vancouver at vancouver we have a wednesday away game so two games in four or five days there for lafc so we'll have episode 18 also coming out later this week so again we would like to thank everybody for listening to episode 17 of defenders of the bank this time though not just with philly and the scarf we were incredibly happy to have amanda mcnook here of riley's brewing and of course all the great information about our tailgate on the 21st you know how we like to sign our episodes off so thank you for listening and bye-bye